0: Hey everyone, this is Greg. And before we start the podcast, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Our first sponsor is Cloud MLX from, you guessed it, Lone Wolf Technologies. Your MLS system needs a dust off, an upgrade, a fresh perspective. With Cloud MLX, the creative team at Lone Wolf have done just that. It's a redo under the premise, what if I could search my MLS like Google? You don't need to replace your existing MLS system software. Just provide Cloud MLX as the easy MLS search solution to your members. They will love you for it. Check out CloudMLX and the rest of the Cloud Agent Suite at cloudagentsuite.com. Also, I'm very excited to announce from Rob Hahn, the Notorious ROB, comes the Notorious VIP. As a Notorious VIP member, you'll get exclusive access to Rob's intelligent analysis, written and audio commentary, plus op-ed style articles. The Notorious VIP is a monthly or yearly subscription for those in the industry that want to go a few levels deeper. So please sign up at notorious-rob.com. I'll put a link to both sponsors in the show notes. Also, if any of our listeners are interested in sponsoring the Industry Relations Podcast, please drop me a line at gregrobertson at gmail.com. Hey, thanks again for listening. And now, on with the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Industry Relations. My name is Greg Robertson. And on the other line here, I've got the notorious ROB Rob Hahn. How you doing, bro?
1: Hola, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do it as well as you. I don't know what it is. It's a skill.
0: I'm I'm half Mexican and you're half or you're full Korean. I don't think you know, you're gonna do yeah.
1: that way. I could it the Korean way. Hola, Greg. <laughs> How's that? Is that better? That would be yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah. yeah. Ah, Yeah. Okay. That's right.
0: that's, anyway. Anyway, how you
1: doing, Rob? I'm doing great, man. You well, know it's um, a lovely afternoon in Las Vegas.
0: Yeah, and we're we got some highfalutin guests now. We're getting yes, we do guests here, man. I mean, uh, all around here. So I'm
1: actually, you know it's because you're a millionaire now, so you know people can't ignore your invites. So
0: <laughs> and just I don't I don't really I'll just leave it at this, but it's multimillionaire, Rob. Just
1: that's right. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm I apologize. Okay.
0: Yeah. So anyway, on the line here, I was, uh, you know, there's a lot of bit of hubbub going on in the industry right now. I mean, I, you know, pick your topic, but the topic du jour right now is uh, showing time and, and its acquisition by Zillow. Yep. And as I was perusing and surfing the Internet, I ran across a, uh, a video that um, our guest did about this very subject. And I thought, this is the perfect guy. In, the, in organized real estate, to come in, on with uh, Rob and I to, to discuss the topic. Absolutely. So I want to introduce here a um, good friend of mine, Nick Bailey from Remax. And you're, I think, chief, chief customer... Officer. 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 I, Sorry. <laughs> of yeah. Welcome, Nick.
2: His lip. Welcome, Nick. Thank you, gentlemen. Nice to be with you both again. Gentlemen, you hear
0: that, Rob? I What's know.
2: That? We got promoted. Great. But that's because
1: he wasn't he wasn't present for the last podcast recording or at least uh, the off-the-air parts of
2: it. Yeah. So, you know. It's good. <laughs> I was just being polite to start us off. Let's <laughs> get going. We'll see how this goes.
0: <laughs> well, Nick, I mean, um, I really thought you did a fantastic job on that video mm-hmm. explaining kind of like your perspective on on Zillow acquiring Showing Time. But um, what I think I want you know, to start off with is just, why don't we give everybody, and this is what really... Brought me to think that you'd be a perfect guest here. Talk about your background, you know, where you come from and, and, you know, where you are now. I think that that'll give uh, our listeners a a good idea why you're here.
2: Yeah, thank you. And, you know, I love talking to you two gentlemen. You're always around the industry and talking about subjects that matter. So thanks for having me today. Yeah, the background, I will say, by the way, it's kind of interesting that I ended up taking this path. Um, If you would ask me 25 plus years ago, I would have said you were crazy. But Real estate just started for me when I was very young. Um, junior in high school, I bought commercial properties, uh, had an opportunity, first house at 18 while I was going to college. I uh, got licensed at 21, opened an office with a partner, ended up at Remax headquarters for about 11 and a half years, and then had the opportunity to go out into the tech and the kind of consumer space with Market Leader, which got acquired by Trulia, which got acquired by Zillow, uh, which those were really fun years. It was really fun work. How many times do you go through... You know, three acquisitions with publicly held companies in the mm-hmm. space, and you know, only a few years period of time and had a great time. And from there, I um, got a call and actually went to Century 21 as their president and CEO uh, for about a year and a half before actually making full circle and coming back to Remax uh, to lead the Remax brand as the chief customer officer about a year and a half ago. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's just, just so everybody can unpack that, right? So, Nick, you've been an agent, a broker,
2: you still, an agent, like, still broker. an agent and a broker.
0: Okay. Went to go work for a vendor with Market Leader, which got acquired by a portal, Trulia, which then got acquired by Zillow, right? Then went to go head a major franchise, right? Century 21. And now you're back in Colorado. I guess you never left Colorado with Remax again, right? So to me, this is the resume that has to put everything in perspective in regard to what's happening right now with Zillow acquiring Showing Time. So. What, what's the rationale here? What, what, what do you see? I mean, you know, I know agents have a certain opinion. Uh, I know brokers have certain opinions and maybe other vendors and MLSs, but I mean, from your perspective, seeing all you've done, doing all you've done, what's your perspective?
2: Yeah. You know, and, and that's, by the way, that's my major disclaimer to any of your, your audience and your listeners, by the way, I do have a unique perspective and lens to look through because I've had the opportunity to work in these different verticals. However, I know that there are some strong opinions on um, on Zillow in particular. I am not here to make anyone a fan or make anyone against. I'm here just to share that perspective. And because I've had certain views into these different angles in the industry, I'm not the alarmist that many can be in the industry Um, because we get super excited that, oh my gosh, there's a shiny object and it's all we talk about for a month. I come at it from a few different angles. So some people can walk away from what you're going to ask me and say, oh, he's just a raving fan or trying to convert. I want to make sure that that's clear right out of the gate. Um, But to answer your question specifically, here's what I know. Zillow is very public about the fact that the consumer is the North Star. The buyer and the seller are the North Star. Now, let's take their startup when data, quote, data was on their site and Zestimate's on their site. Well, guess what? The exact same data, public data, was sitting just down the street in your courthouse, but it was in old, dusty books. And it was just the evolution of our industry, which is our walk-in life today, which is putting stuff and information at our fingertips. But I, I have a philosophy. When I started, there were MLS books. It was consumer, agent, house. What has happened that's driven the industry crazy is now it's consumer, house agent the agent in the house flipped positions in this equation because of data being readily available consumer being the north star they want to make sure that buying or selling a home is easier for the consumer because the founders of zillow rich and lloyd went out and were looking for real estate and said wow you just can't find any information you could go to one site and find their listings you could go to another site and find their listings You couldn't find public data online, and they said there has to be an easier way. So they built this for the idea of making the consumer's life easier. And that hasn't changed. They're public. I'm not telling anyone anything that you shouldn't have already heard by now. And so the acquisition of Showing Time is, in my opinion, a technology company, acquiring a technology company to make the process better for consumers. And the same thing happened with Dot .loop. And I happened to be at Zillow when they did that acquisition. And this has a lot of similarities. People start talking about uh, you know, the data question and the owning so much of the industry and all these different components, but I believe they're a tech company, acquiring a tech company to make the process better. So, I mean, what you said, it makes so much sense, Nick. And
1: this is the thing that I'm most curious about, right? Because I wrote a post when this happened because I felt like I had to, like, I didn't want to. And I think what I put in it was, Errol calls me to tell me about this great big news. And literally I'm sitting there like, why are you even tell? like, who cares? You're, You're a $35 billion tech company and you're buying a small tech company for like 500 million. And I know that seems like a lot of money, but it really isn't. Like, why is this even news? Why are you even telling me? And then this thing blows up. The question I have for you is like, why do you think this is the one that blew up? Do you know what I mean? Like, they've done other things. Like, they've announced they're going to be a brokerage. And I felt like in comparison to what we're seeing with this, it, it didn't, you know, it was like a day or two of, like, you know, chatter. And then nothing else. this, for whatever reason, seems to have caught the fervor, the imagination of the, of the agents and brokers out there. Like, what's your opinion? Like, why do you think this one is having the reaction that it's having?
2: Market share.
1: Let's explain, what do you mean?
2: It feels like to me, every one of the acquisitions has been very similar. Um, to me, what was bigger was Zillow taking over Trulia. Um, that was right. bigger. Um, right. Probably the dot loop one is bigger. We're just only a couple of days into this, so maybe it feels larger, but here's why, market share. Look at how many agents, when you are uh, working with as many MLSs, over 350, 360 MLSs, and you have a, a million realtors touch a product, Showing Time did the acquisition of centralized showing service that they announced that September 6th of 2019. Those were kind of the two um, larger competitors in the showing space. Mm-hmm. They combined forces. And so now you could argue, I don't know the exact number, but you could argue there's up to 75, 80% market share. And so this is a tool that a lot of agents touch every single day to schedule showings. Um, it's a part of their regular business. Well, in some of the previous acquisitions, Maybe you weren't truly a Trulia customer. Maybe you weren't a Zillow customer. Maybe you weren't a .loop customer. And you said, ah, doesn't affect me because I don't use it. doesn't mean you, you may not revisit it, but I think this one's getting a lot of chatter because the scale, of the number of people. Time,
0: yeah. Well, and, and then I would push back with you, Rob, a little bit. Is it though? Is it a big deal? Like, you know, uh, two things here. So it has been, right? It was just announced last week and I thought it would die down sooner than it did. But be, let's think of, Think about this. It was just last week, right? Maybe it's going to take a week. Maybe it takes two weeks to die down because these things have that kind of feeling, right? The only thing that gave me a little bit of pause is that I got a lot of people forwarding me emails that their MLSs were sending out. Hey, we heard you. You're concerned about this, and I thought, ooh, I haven't seen that before. I haven't seen like MLSs having to send out you know blanket emails to their membership. So. I don't know if if this turned out to, you know, I think Nick is right saying that is the scale of this was probably something that touched more agents than before. So that's why, you know, you read about all these things, all these other things going on. I mean, could this be the straw that broke the camel's back? That one last thing that okay, whatever. Now we're pissed. I, I don't know yet because even today, and maybe it comes because it's a three day weekend, but even today it seems like the fervors. Dropped a little, a lot than it was, you know, at a fever pitch last week. Will it, will it continue to drop? And like I, I cautioned Errol on this, too. It's like, you know, the worst thing you can do when you read a blog, and you disagree with it, especially about you, is to make a comment, because all you're doing is inviting like everybody to pile on, right? So I would almost say to Zillow, hey man, just shut up. You know, don't say a word. Go, 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 ghost, and then you know, see if this kind of thing blows over. I mean. I mean, Rob, do you think that I could be right here that it's not as big as we think it is, only these first couple of days are a little more interesting than than most?
1: You could be right. I mean, and again, maybe I'm reacting you know out of my biases. All I know is after Zillow announced that they were becoming a brokerage or after the Zillow bought dot loop, I didn't get three to four different requests from realtor associations m l s to come and give a presentation to their membership mm. and to their boards of directors to help them figure out what to do about it, and I'm like. What do you mean to do? I I mean, I guess I'm going to do it, try and explain it. But that's why I was just curious, like, what, what is there to do? You know, in other words, you know, in a sense, I think Nick is right. It is that these agents are touching this stuff every single day, right? But when Showing Time acquired their main competitor, CSS, you didn't see this, right? You didn't see this outrage. You didn't see people going like, holy crap, now this one company kind of, quote unquote, owns our showing data, you know, like nobody cared, you know? Like nobody cared. All of a sudden Zillow acquires it and it's like the end of the world. And now Zillow has so there's something about Zillow, right? And you know, like you know, I've been talking about Zillow derangement syndrome for years, but this is the bizarrest sort of example of it. I thought we would see it when Zillow said we're gonna become a brokerage. I did. Yeah. And we didn't see it with that, we saw it with this. And I I mean, I think Nick is right. It is about market share. But something about that mentality, something about the psychology, is something I'm trying to understand. You know, I mean, well, you're, with your age, gonna,
2: can I jump in on that? Yeah, I'm please. Add to it. We have to peel. We have to peel this back and say why, why, and for me, the the biggest objection because the industry has been telling each other, and we've been telling ourselves. Data, data, data. Well, I've, I've, because of the experience I've had through throughout this, and people have asked, you know, why did I go there and why did I come back into the franchise brokerage space? Um, because I wanted to use the expertise to help companies that were wondering how to process the evolution of this business. This really isn't just about Zillow. This is the evolution of our business. Right now, a hot conversation is. Um, buy side commissions and display. You mm-hmm. know, 15 years ago, it was IDX. The fact that Greg could have 40 listings, Rob, you have three, and I have zero, but yet I can put all your listings on my site, that was probably bigger. And so this is just a continuation of the evolution. But we have trained everyone to think data. And here's the part that I can't wrap my head around with the experience I've had. If the idea that some company has the name, address or the name, the telephone number, and or email address of a potential seller or one of your clients, and that's how fragile our business is. I don't agree with that because I think it's a matter of the amount of public data that is available. Um, I don't know where either one of you live, but obviously Greg being this multi-bazillionaire that I just found out a few minutes ago, I have no idea his home address. I bet while we do this, I can look up, and I can find out your address, I can find out your income, I can figure out if you have siblings, I can figure out where your parents live or if they're not, I can figure out your email address, I can figure out your cell number. Like the amount of public data that is available to all companies now is beyond what the industry is either understanding or willing to admit. And I just don't believe that the fragileness of our business, of me as a real estate broker, I sold houses last year in my spare time just for a few friends. And plus, I like to stay close to the front lines. And guess what? When I put my sellers on my listings information into a showing service, I had not a worry in the world that any company was going to get it. And here's how I know about data, because my wife goes by her middle name. And so we started using a number of years ago when we bought a property and we did a mortgage and I used her first initial and then her entire middle name. Do you know within a week, the amount of mail spam that we got with her first initial middle name that she had never used in her life, but I did. The minute you go to transact, your data is so far out in the universe that if we think we're gonna be competitive by holding our arms around all of this, I think we're gonna get left behind. It's not about, in my opinion, this is where some are gonna disagree with me vehemently. It's not about the access to it. It's about what you do with it. But people will say, yeah, Nick, but there's your gotcha. It's what they're going to do with it. Well, I always say, explain that to me because I we have an app right now. It's called the First App. It predicts on behaviors of people who are going to list their home. We have over 750 data points, public data points on every homeowner. And we use AI and machine learning to predict who's gonna list. So if Greg's looking for a new house, he's gonna pop up as a three-star opportunity. And I test this all the time. I call one of my friends. I said, hey, are you thinking about moving? And they're like, why? We were shopping online last night. We looked at a house last week. How did you know? Wow. Because all of your online behaviors yeah. through your device notifier is pulling together this data to say, here's what we're going to do with it. So you're,
0: you're basically saying, so they've got showing time now, but but the, the horse has left the barn a long time ago. This long time, if, if ago. anything, it's additive, but it's not some sort of game changer as far as if, and they're, not, I think Zillow, to be fair, is saying we're not using that data, right? We're not going to be, we're not, that's still private data. But even if they did, it's still additive, not anything kind of uh, nefarious or- here's,
2: here's my argument why that data is everywhere. They had 200 million unique visits last quarter. That person that's shopping probably already entered their name and their email and their phone number on a argue, dozen different yeah, websites. But
0: you can argue that a person scheduling a physical showing an in-person showing, physical. I don't. Know, what kind of language we speaking? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and virtual you know, dating, Greg. <laughs> I know. <laughs> a Virtual, an a, a in-person showing. That's way lower on the funnel than somebody just, quote unquote, surfing Zillow, right?
2: Well, here's what I love. I mean, to me, it's just it doesn't matter because, I mean, this is the cooperation, the respect we have in the industry with each other. Once I go out and get a listing, I have a I have a seller, and I have an active listing agreement. Or once they go pending. We have cooperation rules that say, you're not going to interfere with the client. Now, if we're both competing for the listing and nothing's signed, we're going to go as competitive as we can be. But that's what I love about our industry. Once you get the listing, and maybe I didn't, we put our arms around each other and say, well, do you have a buyer? Let's try to figure out how to sell it.
0: And so- co-star changes this whole thing, but that's a whole other podcast. (laughs) That's another
2: (laughs) podcast. Um, But yeah, that's what- People have all their information everywhere. But Steve Murray's a good friend at Real Trends, and he told me a few years ago, and I loved his saying, there's always a boogeyman in this industry. And if we don't have one today, we'll make one up.
0: No, right. it's totally fair. Right.
1: There's one thing I was kind of curious about, because there's two related aspects to this that, you know, I'm seeing like on you know comments to my blog, I'm seeing on social media, and I'm especially hearing from like boardrooms of MLSs. One is that because Zillow is a brokerage now, right, and the showing time app, the, the utility is mostly available through the MLS. Like a lot of them, the MLS goes out and does a site license with showing time because obviously something like showing time, mm-hmm. it just makes sense. You know, like, you know, if only three brokers have it, it's like, who cares? You need all the brokers, all the members to use it so that it's valuable, right? Their objection is, this is forcing us to, I don't like provide a competitive advantage to one of our competitors, you know, to pay one of our competitors. Like, have you heard anything like that, Nick? You know, that sort of objection being raised.
2: Yeah, I have, and and here's what I, I always bring people back around to. Buyers and sellers will tell all of us that the process to go through and buy a house can be less than pleasant. One of my favorite surveys a few years ago was a survey about buyers going through and 60% of them said that they would rather have a root canal than go through purchasing a home again. And so at the end of the day, to me, here's the decision-making. As an industry, we have to get out of our own way. We're number one, uh, we are standing behind the data excuse to that gets in the way of innovation. Second, as an industry, we are actually slower to adopt technology than other industries. And third, if we were really focused on helping this be better for buyers and sellers, let us we all have choice, and choice is free enterprise, and we should be supporting that. But we should be picking the best product for the needs that we have. That may be different than yours, Rob. It may be different than yours, Greg. But if we went out and said, who cares who owns it? If this product was going to get better, would you support it? And that's what happened with showing time in CSS. I used CSS before, I thought the merger and the acquisition of the two companies made the product better. Um, So we kind of lose sight of that, I think, that we've got to look long-term. There are companies that we do business with that have parent companies that offer different services to different verticals within. So that's up to each individual person. I'm rambling to answer your question. If the idea that they're actually licensed and being a brokerage means that you're not comfortable with using a product that they provide, that of course is your choice. But th- this isn't new. This is the exact same as dot loop.
1: And it's something that you guys have direct experience because Remax went out and acquired a couple of startup real estate startups that had other companies right like did you keep any of them you know what they understood I, I don't care who owns it right as long as the product works for me and helps me like have you like how did you guys deal with that you know as remax
2: well we have experienced that way um yeah. for our for our mortgage arm for motto mortgage you know that's a uh, the, you know yeah, very first right. mortgage franchise in the country very revolutionary and of course we went out and acquired a company that yes, it's going to service that arm, but it also services other because we can use scale to make it better. We have a a data company that helps that we have third party customers that we service as well. So bottom line is this, it is just not unusual for companies at scale to have various different products. Um, And it'll still come back to the fact that people have to be comfortable with their choice and who they're doing business with and the products and services that they provide. But I stand, like I mentioned, Greg, to the video you mentioned, I'm not here to stop anyone from getting in the real estate industry, and certainly not Zillow. If they wanna get real estate licenses, and if they wanna offer hiring employing brokers, um, if they want to, or employed agents, if they wanna go out and have independent contractor agents, our industry is based on entrepreneurs with low barriers of entry. Anyone can get a real estate license, and I'm willing to compete with anyone that wants to get
0: one. So one of the things about that though, about that question of Zillow becoming a broker. And I'm wondering from a franchise or perspective, franchisor perspective, how how do you deal with the, you know, the agents not really understanding the the code of ethics where you can't really communicate <laughs> data out there. And, you know, to to be disparaging about another broker is against the code of ethics. I mean, I mean, that's and then, you know, NAR's got all these other policies they're doing about, you know, uh, hate speech, but really just down to a core level. I mean, how are franchisors kind of educating their agents? Like, listen, you really can't say that because that's against uh, NAR policy. I mean, because I, I I see all the comments out there, Nick, and I'm sure some of them are REMAX agents. I mean, is that something you guys take an active role in or is that, th- those are like association, MLS level kind of things?
2: That's why I'm here with you today and why I did a video yesterday for any agent or anyone that wants to see it. It's public on our We Are REMAX Facebook page because we should be talking about it and doing it in a respectful way. This industry was built on a spirit of cooperation and uh, our leadership feels that it will continue to be. And that's why we're out um, you know, talking about it. We're not here to disparage anyone in the industry or the competition. And by the way, we shouldn't rely on some rule or policy that says we can't disparage. Every time I've been in front of an audience, I find that most people are fairly respectful. Do I think there are absolute keyboard mongers out there that? absolutely need to find different ways to say things. Sure. You know, but let's class it up. Let's have an honest conversation. And I don't want them disparaging us and I'm not going to do it to them. And we need to lead by example, not by policy.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So
2: related to that right now, Nick, and you've worked at the company,
1: so you, you know that culture better than most. Do you consider Zillow to be a competitor?
2: I was going to say, what do I feel of Zinger coming on, Rob?
1: That's not a Zinger. I mean, it's because it's, a lot of, that's like the big thing, right? A lot of people are like, Zillow's a competitor, Zillow's a competitor. And I guess I took the stance that Zillow's not your competitor unless you're in the iBuying business. Now, they could become your competitor in the future. Mm-hmm. But so that's the question. Do you consider Zillow to be a competitor today?
2: This is where I want the industry, if they heard nothing that I said today, I want them to hear this. This industry does a great job of bucketing every single company into one single bucket. (laughs) And I said the other day, here's where Zillow is not a competitor. They don't sell franchises, we do. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. good. Um, By the way, there are other companies out there right now that are brokerages that span state lines. They don't sell franchises. And so running a franchisor We award franchises to independent entrepreneurs that want to um, own a real estate brokerage. They don't do that. So in that way, they are not a competitor at all. Now, for a licensee in the market, if we are competing for a buyer or seller to list or sell a home and they go into that space, which by them having licenses and going into that space, then I would say, yes, they are a competitor. They're a competitor for real estate agents. They're not necessarily competitors of franchisor, but as a franchisor that is about real estate agents, we have to just think about how we provide benefits and services and all that good stuff. But I, again, don't wanna people say, oh, well don't do this or don't do business with them or don't, no, 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 no. Folks, the the barriers of entry to get a real estate license are low. The barriers of success are high. 87% of real estate agents that get a license are out of our business in five years. It's it's how it works. And this reminds me of the conversation how long ago? Come on, you gents were around when banks were going to
0: Oh yeah yeah. What's went, oh oh nine, my gosh. NAR was like that was their that was their biggest thing, keeping yeah. banks out of real estate. Every oh, yeah. NAR policy was all centered around that for sure.
2: And what is real estate about? We don't sell houses. Houses sell themselves. We sell service on experience on buying and selling and getting a successful outcome in the process. I remember on the banks, I said, have you ever called your bank or gone in for great customer service? It's not my top 10. If they want to get a real estate license, have at it. But I understand that you lump all this together and people get nervous. And that's why we should unpack it and talk about it. But I do believe, again, our industry is not as fragile as having my neighbor's name and phone number. So you said
1: something that's just super interesting. And you know, I didn't know that we we're going to talk about it. But since you brought it up, let's talk about
0: it. Um, Here's the other zinger coming up. It's not a zinger. <laughs> no,
1: it's it's actually, I just want to hear Nick's take on this. That, you know, he obviously is the guy who would know the best. So on the one hand, he said, the consumers hate the experience, right? You know, 60% of buyers would rather get a root canal than have to buy another house again. And you just mentioned, look, we don't sell houses. We sell experience and we sell service around it, right? That's one right. of the things that has been come out because of this whole Zillow thing is a lot of sort of I guess I'll call them more level-headed people saying, look, I mean, just do your job, right? Like the client's not going to abandon you. To your point, we're not that fragile, you know, so they have this data, who cares? Just focus on your relationships, et cetera. And it's not too late. I think Brad Inman might have said something like that in in his uh, response to this, right? That, you know, the, the Zillow phenomenon is because the industry hasn't invested, the industry hasn't done the right thing. It's not too late. So the question is this, given that the transaction, the experience is so not great for consumers today. What do you think the industry could do or should do to improve that? Like to like Zillow's an, right to Zillow's answer is iBuyer. Hey, you know what? We'll just buy a home from you so you know you don't have to worry about any of this. What do you think the industry's response could and should be?
2: Well, well let's let's give okay I heard two questions in there. Let's quickly talk about iBuyers. Yep. I think there's space for those. I think there's space for the industry because you know we talk about it they're cash buyers. They're using technology but it's a cash buyer. It's someone coming in in cash. And what has ended up happening is when there are only one or two players it became the talk, right? It was the boogeyman the last 2 years. Right. We've all been talking about it. Here's what happened. There are tons of new entrants. Now let's go back to consumer behavior. Guess what my sellers came to me and said last year. Um so I understand there's ways to get cash offers online but yet you're telling me that you know there are other offers. Well, guess what my job is today and always was as a real estate professional, to go out and find someone that wants to buy your house. And I always believed that my job was to find the highest price in the least amount of time with the least amount of pain in the process. And so what did I do? I went out and said, here are a couple of iBuyer offers, they're cash offers. Here are a couple uh, without, here are a couple that have contingencies. And then we together formulated uh, the right answer that's best for them. That's all they are. Cash buyers will always have a place in this market. We buy ugly houses, billboards were around 20 years ago. And guess what they did? They bought houses for cash. And usually when people come in with cash, the seller's willing to take a haircut for convenience. This is not a new concept to our industry. And I can't figure out why people think it is with the exception of, instead of calling the number on the billboard, you're requesting it online and taking you through the process. Second question is how do we improve the process? I think the industry's on its way for this, which is the fragmentation of the process for a buyer is intense, right? From every component, looking for it, scheduling it, seeing, offering on it, inspections, mortgage, appraisals, all the components that go along with purchasing. It's a fragmented space. So what we're using is 94% of Consumers are using a real estate agent today since all this tech has been around for a decade and a half, two decades. And there's even more what? realtors.
0: That's what I get. Like in 2006, more there, consumers like, are using them. Yeah, I mean, there was when before Zillow started, there were less agents than there are now, right? I mean, so it's like they're, all this demise of agents. It's only gone the opposite way. It's crazy.
2: Yeah, and consumers want a trusted advisor. It's complex, and there's things that you can't see online. The pandemic has showed that, tried and true. They want to marry tech and experience. So Rob, to your, to your question, I think that's what people are trying to formulate, is how do we take a consumer through a very fragmented process and use knowledge and use tech, combine them together in a mobile-first experience to where a buyer and seller can be involved, it's transparent, and it takes away the anxiety and the trepidation. I believe if we do that and do it well, more people will enjoy moving. And I will say
0: this about it's the same Enjoy way. Enjoy moving. Car. Those are two words, Nick. I don't think I've heard heard before Enjoy before. moving.
2: Yeah. Okay, Greg, you know my wife, she's the same way. I don't mind moving, but uh <laughs> no, but it's like the car business when NADA and Kelly Blue Book came out. Oh my gosh, the car business went nuts. They used to hold under the veil of secrecy how much a car was worth. Well. We can find out what a car is worth, all of us, in five seconds. It didn't hinder car sales. It helped consumers make the decisions that they wanted to be empowered to make. And to me, that is absolutely bottom line. What our industry is going through is the evolution of pulling a consumer through the transparency loop. And it's not going to mean they don't use us. It's not going to mean they don't sell houses. It's going to make it easier and better.
0: I mean, to me, Nick, it's like you're, it's very... Your response and your answers are like not the typical out there because there's just a bunch of people that are alarmists about here that want to stir the shit that want to like you know raise the the turn on the fire bells or whatever. I mean, just go crazy, but it's 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 refreshing to hear kind of a, a measured response here, but I don't think you're gonna hear that from, a lot of people want to take advantage of this. They want to take advantage of this news to 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 stir up the hatred, to stir up the things to kind of either promote their own thing or, you know, beat their chest about, you know, what they can do, right? So, you know, thanks for this. I mean, but, and a larger question from a franchisor like you guys, there's bigger questions, I think, bigger things that you have to kind of think about now in, in, in this in this world, right? I mean, first of all, what is it to mean to be a franchisor now, right? I mean, the Remax brand is super strong, right? But how are you going to differentiate yourself in this kind of new thing of Zillow's a broker and iBuyers and everything else. I mean, I know from experience working with you guys that, you know, I think Remax agents do about double the number of transactions a normal agent does. But I mean, what are other factors? I mean, you're buying some tech or whatever else, but how does a franchisor live in a world like this now?
2: Yeah, I think it's pretty easy. You look at your competitive advantages. What do you have? And uh, you didn't invite me on today to, to give a Remax commercial. But in terms of of, feel free. uh, But the reality of the industry, let's let's look. About half of the agents in the industry are affiliated with some type of brand, and the other half are not. Since I've been licensed for 25 years, I can't believe I say that. I still feel young in this industry, but that number has fluctuated a couple percent on either side over time. And so because of the churn in the industry, there's always people, there are always agents looking for where's the right environment. If this business was so easy that the economic model would recruit everyone or the one tool would recruit everyone, but it's just not that simple. It's environment. You have a lot of agents that out there that don't want to be full-time, right? They just wanted to kind of be in charge of their own schedule. And if they sell a few houses a year, they're happy. Now, do I believe that? serves the consumer overly well, I would argue that I believe someone that is a full-time producer that does more transactions likely better serves a consumer. And so our competitive advantage has always been that we create the environment that fosters full-time professionals in this business. And that's why it's two to one. And yeah, we've been around for 48 years, but guess how I feel we're brand new. Not one competitor can catch us on productivity per agent. They haven't yet in all the decades we've been around, and they're only half as close so until that number disappears we have a huge tremendous advantage and we have scale on our side and there's no reason that the remax organization can't have 200,000 agents worldwide um, so we'll continue to press and innovate and grow and connect the dots on technology and consumer experience local broker leadership because at the end of the day real estate's local and we have found generally that real estate agents look to the culture and the leadership in which they belong to put them in an environment that they are successful salespeople. And I don't think there's anything old about that.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's a stark contrast. I mean, Rob, I don't know if you read the, there was a little recap on, I guess, the uh, family reunions going on with uh, mm-hmm. Gary Keller. And he, it's a war, he says, and it's all about data, right? And, and it's funny to hear REMAX say, the data's out there. It's not about data right it's just striking to me the di- the differences between the franchisors and our you know if 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 Keller Williams is, wants to call themselves that um i think they're a tech company now i mean do you see that i mean do you see kind of the differences in the way they look at things i mean what do you think about what do you think about Gary Keller saying that and 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 Nick kind of taking an opposite approach as far as data is concerned
1: i mean i i i look obviously i think i'm more inclined to Nick's perspective cuz like one of my biggest things was why is this like I if Zilla like really that. wanted to come in and 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 screw with you like this isn't the thing that's going to get you know push them over the top you know what i mean like if Zilla wanted to come in and really screw with you like they could they don't need showing time to do that so the the fact that it, it went this crazy over showing data and i think Nick did a great job of just kind of laying out you know all the data's out there already you know all the data's out there and you know it's just it's it's just sort of irrational. So I think I prefer that approach. Right. The thing I'm I'm guess I've been struggling with, and I'm trying to understand really over the last five years, maybe, is just the psychology. You know, and I think Nick did a really great job explaining that. Right. Because if you if you sit back and think about this rationally, then I think the only conclusion you come to is what Nick said. Like just. Look, the consumer. At the end of the day, you, we're all in this to try and help people buy and sell houses, and the process sucks and it's painful and it's annoying. And whatever we, as an industry, and I'm including Zillow in that, can do to help that process be a little bit easier, a little bit less painful, you know, a little bit faster, a little bit more certain, the better for everybody, you know. And yet, there's something going on beneath
2: the surface, right? Rob, to your point. We have to figure out what we're truly competing on. That's where I kind of, you know, completely leveled out and say, what are we competing on? And Greg to your point. Let me clarify, I'm not saying it's not about data. Data is really important because it sure. allows you to put business tools together to help an agent. But let me give you one example as an agent. You know, I live in a neighborhood with about 600 homes in it. There are two agents that very successfully farm this neighborhood. Well, used to be you had to go out and send 600 postcards, 600 emails, make 600 phone calls. Now you have all this consumer behavior data, which trust me, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And now you've got devices that say, by the way, there's 600 homes in this community, maybe use this data, go contact the five that look like the hottest people that wanna transact. That's to me where the data is valuable is how you use it. But what's interesting also, is a lot of us in the industry have all the access to the same amount of data. Zillow does with now having IDX feeds, the same that all of our brokerages do with IDX feeds. What do you do with it? (laughs) That's what makes you competitive because where we're competing is we all want to help more sellers sell and more buyers buy. That's ultimately where we're competing in the real estate industry is who's going to get someone to buy and sell. And we're using all the rest of this stuff on top. But Last time I checked with people that do valuations on companies, I haven't seen a line item that says big data.
0: Yeah. I mean, to me, I think in your analogy though, and I kind of wrote a book on this and it's, you know who I would bet on in the, on the 600 houses, the guy who's calls all 600 of those houses or door knocks or sends postcards. That's the agent that's going to win. Not the one that's going to like rely on data to sell them. It's, Hey, it's only these five or these six. I like those hustlers. I like those hustler agents that get out there and just pound, pound the pavement, do what it takes to kind of get in touch with those guys old school style, right? And I like, to, I like to say this a lot, Zillow can't smell the cat. There's no algorithm, there's no app, there's no anything that can match a good agent and their nose in more ways than others, right, to, to make things happen. And I think that's always going to be the edge that a typical agent is going to have over Zillow and other kind of uh, portals like that.
2: I think both are going live, to live in yeah. harmony. I've I've We're a non-solicitation neighborhood, so you don't get door knocks, but I get phone calls. There are going to be people that do pop buys, leave stuff, call me, and then there are going to be other people that use their mobile device to see that what I'm searching online and what I'm doing here is maybe they need to focus on me. I think both can, can, can exist. But what I do believe, Greg, that you're 100% spot on is no matter what, this is a relationship driven business. And if I'm going to sell your house or I'm going to help you buy one, you have to trust me. And 94% of people are using an agent. And the biggest demographic that's using agents today are millennials. What the industry five years ago said would never happen. Millennials are going to put houses in shopping carts and it's going to be Amazon. And what it is proving is that is so far from the truth that consumers want our services, that they have to trust us.
1: Well, what I'm wondering about is, I don't know if you and I ever talked about this, Nick. Uh, we certainly haven't done it on, on this. So I'm wondering if what's maybe at work here is um, that's making the average agents, the, the brokers out there so freaked out, right, is a greater concentration of power, greater concentration of transactions in the hands of fewer and fewer agents. Right? So I was talking to a friend of mine who's a, a top team leader in Phoenix. And he told me a stat that I'm like, I, I wanna see some numbers because it's unbelievable to me, but he has no reason to make shit up, right? What he said was that 5% of the agents in Phoenix do 87% of the transactions. Do
0: you guys feel that's close? That's even kind close teams, right? Not just an agent,
1: but an agent team. 5% of the members of the agents. So of course, all 5%, 5% are percent of private teams. 5% of the agents,
0: okay. Yeah, so
1: right. yeah, you know, out of the whatever, 38,000, 5% do 87% of transactions. So, I guess one question for you, Nick, is: Are you seeing that, like, kind of where you are as Remax, where more and more of the transactions are being done by fewer and fewer agents? Because you could, you know, you could both have ninety-four percent of consumers use an agent at the same time. You have this, yeah, ninety-four percent of of consumers use agents, but they're using fewer and fewer agents. Like, it could, they could they could coexist. Is that a part? Is that Number 1 is that happening and number 2 is that a partial explanation and that
0: really makes the whole agent count that all the franchisors like brag about really just not even relevant right potentially it's not even about yeah
1: so it's it's first it's a factual question to you are you seeing this and second one is an opinion question as to is this maybe what's contributing to so much of the the panic and the you know skies falling
2: well i think yes that whole 80-20 rule, yeah, then it's more like 90-10, and where is it, 95-5? Um, yeah, I think that that's just been an evolution in our business, and we we do see part of that because I, I believe with with systems and think of transaction management and some of the technologies that you're not good at something that you don't do on a regular basis. And so the agents that are doing it on a regular basis, I think, are more efficient, and it allows them To expand, teams have done a great job in saying, hey, I have the same 24 seven that all of you do, but if I expand myself this way and I leverage um, systems that you can get more people in the net. That's absolutely true. What's interesting though, that interrupts some of that and I think will continue is, and Greg, you mentioned aging count, let's rewind. There were 1.4 million realtors in 2006. That dropped to 983,000 by what, 2012? And now we're at the highest level that NAR's ever seen at over 1.5 million. You could argue there are 60% of the real estate agents in our business that have never seen a buyer's market. They've been in a run-up of a seller's market. We have a lot of new entrants. But what's interesting is every time a new agent comes in, they'll likely sell a house to their brother, their sister, their best friend. And they take those little bits of market share out of some of those folks that you just mentioned because of relationships. And so the more agents we get, the more they pick away at some of that productivity. So I don't think it's all going just in your one linear way of, we're going to get to 98.2 and only 2% right, are right. going to do it. Because I think as long as the barriers of entry are low and NARS a membership driven system, you're going to have agents picking deals off um, as long as you and I are alive in this business.
0: Yeah. I mean, you mentioned churn rate, right? 87% fail out the first five years. But the mm-hmm. nice thing is, is like, it's like a herd of cattle going off a little cliff. There's the herd doesn't start, right. There's more, there's more cattle behind them, right? It just keeps flowing and flowing and flowing, right? For sure.
2: And our industry just continues to get better and better. And we serve consumers better and better. And so to your point where the industry gets spun up is, here's what I think also, because we think of, well, here's what it could be. We need to be scared today because Amazon could get in the real estate business. Well, let's talk about that. What if Amazon decides to go out and get licensed? They can go join every MLS. You get a massive people to go out in 50 states and join all MLSs. It takes some time, but you can do it. Anyone can do it. Anyone can get access to IDX data by getting a license. That could change the landscape. But we do a pretty good job of, well, no, there's a difference between kind of forecasting reality and forecasting the, oh, my gosh, what could happen if... And that's where in this announcement, this recent announcement, as with those in the past with Zillow and Showing Time, I think is where it's at is it's, okay, well, I'm not worried today, but what if they do this? And I've been hearing that for 15 years. Um, Well, see, it's what I told you. It's just one step more. It's just one step more. And they're going to have world domination, take out all 85,000 brokerages in the United States. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But... I don't believe that's going to happen.
0: So what keeps you up at night, Nick? I mean, in your professional capacity, I mean, what do you worry about? I mean, if it's not, you know, these other things, I mean, what what do you worry about?
2: Um, You know, when you're a leader of a major world organization, I probably worry, worry, you too, you too keep me up. No, I'm just kidding. No, what keeps me up at night is probably just looking at our own business and saying, how can we make sure to do absolutely everything that we can, because here's what I look at. We're in the business as a franchisor that the professionals that are affiliated with us pay my living. And so I have kind of a servant attitude to say, I'm on a mission to improve the lives of real estate agents to make sure they're the best they can so that they can help buyers and sellers. And in a competitive environment, I guess what keeps me up at night is probably different every night, depending on on what's going on but i don't have one single thing i'm passionate about the industry um, and i love that the evolution is continuing on and we have these conversations but the boogeyman that doesn't exist in this industry doesn't keep me up yeah. i can tell you that i
1: like it so as somebody who's uh often accused of being an alarmist one place where i do think some alarmism is useful is for and I think this is kind of in line with what Nick is talking about to some extent, for the leaders of the larger organizations to do a little bit of contingency planning is not a bad idea. So when I do like consulting work for MLS, a lot of it is this doesn't happen, this doesn't happen, but if it does, you need to have a plan. I think there's a very different approach in let's change our business because cooperation compensation might go away, right? To, hey, if that goes away, here's what, here's the seven things we're going to do immediately. Let's plan that now. So we're not, all of a sudden something happens and we're freaking out. So if something like Zillow buying showing time was a major concern to some of these people. I'm like, then, you know, you probably should have gotten together three years ago and said, Hey, what do we do if Zillow buys showing time? Right. How big a deal is that? Oh my God, it's going to totally disrupt their business. Fine. Then what do we do about that? I mean, so I do want to, sort of defend the alarmists, uh, this, you know, among us because I do think there's a difference. Now, for an average agent, average broker out there in the streets, no, you know what? Like, Focus on your client, focus on what's in front of you. But if you're an MLS CEO, if you're a franchise CEO, if you're a, a large broker CEO, set aside some time to at least to some level of consensus planning. I do think that's useful, whether you do it with whoever, it doesn't matter. You know, me or anybody else, like just do a little bit of that. Do it with your own team. Do with your own staff.
2: No, Rob, you're right. I couldn't agree with you 100% more. I mean, that's just good business. Contingency planning and using every bit of information and especially using data to see where things are going and make sure then you can adjust along the way. But that's where we're in an emotionally charged business. And Mm -hmm. so that's where I think probably my approach, uh, people come in and say, well, you're so calm about these things when they happen. Versus going, oh my gosh, hair on fire. Well, I've red hair, I can say that, right? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm calm about it because I use data. So here's an example. I told you 94% of people use a real estate agent. The biggest demographic right now is millennials and they're using real estate agents. If that was 94% three years ago and it was 72% today, I may be yeah. saying, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Consumers have reduced using the business that I'm in by 20%. Like we need to use the data to show where some of the industry is going, Mm -hmm. not this emotional hairs on fire of what is going to happen because then you adjust, you pivot, you know, you either sit in one space and complain or you pivot, adjust, and you go compete like hell. Um, And that's what Dave and Gail taught us. Um, And Dave taught me, Dave Linegar at REMAX is, and he always said, hey, if you're a partner and you're a partner, you're great. But the minute we become a competitor, bring it on, we'll compete like hell. Mm -hmm. And that's our free enterprise system. And mark my words, this isn't about just Zillow owning showing time. We're going to see new entrants to the market. We're going to see current vendors that dial up their services. And that's the beauty of free enterprise. Showing time five years from now could be the number one showing service in market share. It could be the number three or number eight. I don't know. Um, But I do know that the person that creates the best service for the agent and the best service for the buyer seller is going to have a pretty good chance. All right. This has been
0: great, Nick. Thank you. This was great. Yeah, for joining us here. And uh, um, this gives a a wonderful perspective on um, things there. And uh, you've been around around a long time, so Rob and I, and uh, it's just refreshing to- to kind of get some sanity into all these conversations and your perspective definitely. Well, up.
2: thank you. I The yeah. most disturbing part of today is you said, oh, you've been around a long time. I guess I've finally tipped into that category.
1: <laughs> Man, we're all old. We're all <laughs> you know, on our way to being dinosaurs and the Zoomers are coming and they're all gonna replace you know, us, us uh, white haired.
2: <laughs> it's, no, it's great to be with you. I applaud you both for what you do. You keep the conversation going and it's always a pleasure to speak with you both. All right. Well,
1: thank you very much, Nick. And uh, thanks to our audience for tuning in and listening. I hope you found this useful and entertaining and let's just say temperature lowering because we could use a little of that. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Industry Relations. Rob and I both appreciate your support. If you can find the time, please visit wherever you listen to your podcasts and give us a five-star rating and write a quick review. It really does help the show. Thanks again, and from Rob and I, be good to each other.